Welcome to Four Game Changers for Black Entrepreneurs. I'm your host, EJ Mayers, here with Ross D. And we're here to propel black entrepreneurship forward by sharing wisdom from the top down that changes the game from the inside out. Four Game Changers is more than a podcast. It's a community where successful black entrepreneurs and luminaries share their wisdom with our tribe of up and coming black entrepreneurs. So if that's you, I'm talking about black entrepreneurs anywhere around the globe. Tune in and show up because this shows for you. Good afternoon. Today, we are going to explore how to pivot the art of the pivot. Have you ever wondered how to reinvent your brand and pivot into a new industry? Well, in this episode of Four Game Changers, that's exactly what you're about to learn about. We're going to walk you through step by step. And by the end of this, you'll be able to pivot your brand successfully. Today, we have my good brother, John Lawson from Colder Ice, renowned speaker, international speaker, that is, and also the shoestring king. I'm going to let him tell you a little bit more about that part. But this guy has sold a serious amount of shoestrings in his lifetime. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. So what's up, folks? Um, yeah, John Lawson here. I don't really know why he called me the shoestring king, but I do sell shoelaces. So that is definitely one of the biggest products that we sell. And I own a company called Shoestring King. So maybe that's where he got it from. But um, I don't know. What What do you want to know? Well, I mean, 15 <laughs> years. I mean, you you've been in the game for a very long time. I know, like, I mean, we're like family, so I know the whole story. But, I mean, just in the beginning when you were working and, you know, you transitioned into um, becoming an entrepreneur and actually just selling, what was it, items in your house, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, I was going bankrupt. Um, A friend of mine, uh, well, I use that term very lightly now, (laughs) all right? But, uh, you know, he was like, hey, man, let's – flip a house. I've got this house that uh, I just saw that was a good investment opportunity. I'm working a regular job. Mm -hmm. You know, he's the hustler and I just happen to have good credit. So he's like, so I need somebody to sign for it. I'll handle everything and then we'll split the profit. So you get 10 grand, I get 10 grand and we good. I'm like, oh, okay. That sounds okay. Interesting. (laughs) Sounds Sounds too good to be true. Uh, it probably was, but at the time I was very naive, you know, and um, and hungry. And, you know, I wanted something better. So I end up signing for the house. Like I said, I'm working my corporate job and he's handling all the fix up and the flip stuff. Mm-hmm. So I drive up to the house, you know, like a month later and it looks fantastic on the outside. The the, the lawns change. And this is in, on the corner of, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard and uh, uh, what's the other guy's name? Um, um, Lowry uh, Howell. Yeah, Joseph E. Lowry. Okay. Right? Okay. So Ash the corner. Monroe. Right. You know? But, I mean, come on. Since this is mostly a black audience, we can talk. Right. We know if you're on the corner of two black civil rights leaders – 
it's going down. <laughs> it's definitely going down. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I think I saw a three-legged dog with a bullet wound in their <laughs> eye, <laughs> right. <on> the, <laughs> right at that corner. Right, McDonald's yeah. liquor store, McDonald's. Yeah, where the hell am I at? And KFC. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and a gun store churches. and a church. Churches exactly. Chicken. And a church. Yeah. And a churches. But I mean, the thing is, is, you know, this community was supposed to be one of those that would be flipping and turning around. So we were going right. to get in early, make some updates. So I get there. It looks great. And we start walking through the house and the guy is showing me this is the first room. I'm like, oh, cool. And here's the bathroom and the kitchen's done. And then we go into other bedroom and then we go to the third bedroom and I'm like, Dude, what's going on? This is a bathroom. So he turned a three-bedroom, one-bath into a two-bedroom, two-bath. Oh, wow. Right? And he's like, oh, we're going to put that downstairs. I'm like, bro, you can't do that because the, you know, Section 8 does not count downstairs as a room. Mm. See? So anything you view, the deal was they will only pay me for what's above ground and so now the difference was like 1200 for a three-bedroom versus 800 for a two-bedroom. So all of those projections, all of those numbers, all out everything the window. out the window. All out the window, and yeah. I'm going to be upside down. Mm, right out the gate. Right out the gate, every month. And I can't afford that. I'm on my own job. I got my own house to deal with, my own car payment. And so I'm literally getting ready to go bankrupt. And a friend of mine came to me and said, hey, you know, you should sell some stuff on eBay. And I was like, eBay? What, what can you do to some damn eBay? I mean, mm-hmm. I get it. What, used socks? I get that. Yeah. And he's like, no, you can sell anything. Mind you, this is like early 2000s, um, 2001, actually. And so I was like, okay. I started selling used books because I had a lot of um, uh, tech books, mm-hmm. the real thick, like Q books. That's what they were called. Like Q was the publisher. Mm-hmm. And they would show, you know, all these tech books. And I started selling those because I didn't need them after I learned the language. And suddenly that started taking off. Mm. And that was the beginning of something that would allow me to make payments on the house. Wow. Right. And, uh, you know, I could fast forward or you want the long version. You know what? <laughs> you know what? Just to just to pause right here, just to appreciate that moment. That was a hustle he, move. He, it, like that that was a boss he figured, move. He figured it out. You you had a liability and you created an asset to now cover that liability. You know, often like yes, bankruptcy is an option. However, another option is also creating another stream so of revenue, revenue to cover that said asset. And it continues to build equity and value and so on and so forth. You hope. You hope. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Depending on where you put that thing. I bet you. I I wonder what it's worth right now. What's that? That the same house. house. Oh, my God. Don't <laughs> don't get me there. I, I wonder what it's worth there. right now. Did you hold on to it? Because I remember I held on to it until I I didn't want it anymore. Mm-hmm. It became. You tried to give it to me. I did probably. <laughs> tried, didn't I? Oh, You're right. Just like, take just it over. And yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, my gosh. Man, dude. Um, it was just a, it was, it was, it was a, uh, noose around my neck for years, for years. Mm-hmm. So finally the taxes got in the rears so far that they finally took it. 
Oh, wow. Okay. So I could go through a whole lot about, I got a whole lot of, you know, business acumen from that. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you one thing. When the economy fell apart, Mm -hmm. you know, 2008, I was like, yay, they're going to come and take the house, you know? But I will tell you, bro. They weren't even taking back houses at the they time. They would just sit and they would the, sit on it and they would leave it in your name so you would be responsible. So I had stopped making payments on it mm-hmm. after about six years. I was like, I'm done with this. This is bullshit. Mm-hmm. I'm done. And I was like, I'm just gonna stop making payments on it. Wow. And I stopped and they did not take the house. So literally for another four or five years over here laughing, but it's true. Another four or five years, it was just an albatross around my neck, man, because wow. every time something went off, I had to go over there and handle it, mm-hmm. you know? And it was just, uh, it was yeah, a pain in the that, ass. In, in that particular area, man, people were Always. taking HVACs. They stole all of it. They'll take the wiring out of your house. All of it, gone. For the copper, like just everything. Yeah, they did yeah, all they that. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got those stories too. Pitbull, brother, you know, come, in the brother, room. Bro, look, brother come calling me. He's like, bro, uh, the HVAC's gone. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? And and so I'm thinking they just talking about the outdoor unit. No, they went inside the house, took it wow. all out. Then a couple of months later, somebody took out all the piping in the walls. It was Man. just... It was that was uh, probably put in one of my properties. Uh, <laughs> <so> <laughs> I knew that you deal knew was, it was too a good, good deal. deal. <laughs> <laughs> it's too good to be true. So you feel me? You know what it's like. I mean, it's like most definitely. Oh, and I wasn't prepared. This was not my game. Mm-hmm. You know, I was not prepared for any of the crap that was being served up. So, anyway, I did one thing. I will tell you, just kind of dovetailing on what you said. I tell people all the time, the biggest or the best motivator is a foot up your ass. Mm. There's nothing that can, I mean, I don't think I would have ever broke out and did what I did had I not been on the brink. You know, if I Mm. wasn't at the brink of just going to be total financial ruin, I would never, I always dreamed of creating my own business, Mm. but I don't know if I ever would have taken that step. I definitely wouldn't have that at that time. Oh, Hashtag wow. get rich or be homeless. So so this hits on one <laughs> one of our pillars. And and since this is our very first show, like I'm I'm gonna, you know, briefly go over those, the B4s, because believe, behave, become. And we believe that everybody starts off with a purpose and a reason why they do what they do. Most most of it is rooted in dissatisfaction over their current state of being. Right. They want a different state. It's mm-hmm. like, man, I can't stand like I'm near bankruptcy. Oh, man, I'm near divorce. I'm arguing about money with my family like I don't have enough. My ends don't meet. You know, there are all of these reasons. But again, it's a motive. It's a reason to act. It's a reason to now have a different set of values and a different set of of behaviors, right, to produce a different result. So in terms of that, man, that sounded like it was. A because for you, it, it was. I don't. It, look, I'm just. It was uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. See, some people can sit in their uncomfortableness. All right, it's not. I, I mean, I know a lot of people that got foot up their ass syndrome. <laughs> right, and they can yep. sit on that. And I'll never forget. I can't remember somebody. A, a speaker was telling the story, and he said he used to do door to door sales. Um. 
and he went up to a patio, you know, or, or on a porch, and the dog was sitting on the porch, and he was just whining. Right? He's like, what the hell? You know, so he knocks on the door. He starts talking to the man, you know, uh, who evidently is the dog's owner, mm -hmm. and the dog's just sitting there whining. He's trying to do his pitch, you know, at the door, and suddenly he's just like, you know, excuse me, sir. I mean, you know, what what's wrong with the dog over here? And he's like, the dog is sitting on a nail, but he's too lazy to get up and get off the nail. And mm. some of us are just like that. Wow. You know, some of us will sit there. We will whine. We will cry. You know, complain. Uh-huh. We'll take it to the streets, all of that. But we will never take any real action. Like and get your ass off the nail. Exactly. And you have and that's the key. He has the ability. You have the ability to get yourself out of that situation. We all do. You know, but you have to find that inside of yourself and you have to have and I and I don't and I don't want to oversimplify it. Mm -hmm. You know, but education is probably the greatest thing to lift you out like we're sitting in the studio right here who taught you how to put these pieces together nobody exactly see that was your initiative you went out you watched the videos you read the reviews you decided what equipment we were going to use that's mm -hmm. an initiative and nobody else can put that into you indeed you know but that nail can that nail <laughs> boy I had that nail <laughs> right right yeah. and an idea you know Absolutely. and an idea and you have to you have to venture out on that or you will sit there and you will constantly think about your life in the rears of saying what if absolutely yeah there and, you go and I'll just piggyback on that um a lot of people, you know, they don't know where to start, but giving of yourself and um, being of service to other people that are, you know, doing the things that you're um, aspiring to do, um, that's the way to learn. You might not get paid as a consultant, but you can go and volunteer. You can go and, you know, spend your time and learn. And that's a way to get some of those, um, those ideas that might help you, you know, get to the next level. If you don't have the creativity within yourself, Go out and seek opportunities to learn by just volunteering and serving for organizations where those people hang out at. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think wisdom is one of the missing pieces for, for many of us. Many of us have that desire to, to, to do more, to have more, to start selling on eBay, right? But we don't have the wisdom. We don't know the way. We don't know how to do it. So, you know, uh, let me get, where let me, do you find it? Let right? me, well, let how me, do you how do you get it? See, there's two there's two things. There's wisdom and knowledge. Mm -hmm. All right. And those two things are very different, although we sometimes use the words interchangeably. Mm -hmm. Knowledge is knowing how to do something. Right. Wisdom is actually applied knowledge. Once you know how to do something, the wisdom is something that you can't rush. Mm -hmm. I can't buy wisdom. Wisdom comes with the application of my knowledge over time. Mm -hmm. And over that time, I get wiser and wiser about that 
thing, whatever that thing is mm. that I'm applying. So one of the things is, you know, wisdom really can only be, can come to you really by having others that have been where you're going. Mm-hmm try to help you find the pathway so that you can avoid the potholes. Yeah. You know, and um, I find a lot of people sit around and we listen to podcasts and and videos of people's uh, achievements. And we say, wow, that's so great. And this is, you know, but honestly, if I'm sitting down with somebody that's wise and has been where I want to go, I don't give a shit how you got there. I want to know what holes you avoided. Mm. What did you fall? What fell apart for you? So it doesn't fall apart for me. Wow. That's the wisdom you want to get. So I think I would love to hear more people's failures than I would, you know, all of their success because I can learn a lot from their failures, you know, and the success. Yeah. I want to duplicate it. But if you leave out the failure part, I, I probably won't get this, the result the that I'm looking as, for. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, I, I look at success as being what comes after. Yeah, it's and a I, byproduct. It is. It's it's a byproduct. And, you know, I hear so many people talk about success and they say, oh, man, well, you define your own success. And, uh, you know, oh, man, success is a destination. I always thought success was a state of being. Mm-hmm. It's, it's who you become after you learn the process. Mm-hmm. Right. Success comes after the process. Mm-hmm. And part of that process is failure. Absolutely. And when we begin to understand that failure is nothing to fear, it's part of the process. Then all of a sudden things begin to change for us. We look at failure in a totally different way. We approach business and say, you know what? Yes, there is risk. Yes, there is a chance I may fail, lose money, but there is also that possibility, right? There is also that I learned the process that I now become successful and you know, I learn how to navigate through the road of yeah, man, you earn your success. Yeah, but entrepreneurship is a minefield. We can step on almost any one thing. of, of, of Every you know, day. things that, that would lead Every to failure. Day. Every you know? day something is fucked up. <laughs> Every exactly. day, bro. I exactly. mean, when people sit there and just tell me how great it is to be an it's so good. It's not, I'm like, I, bro, let's let's sit <laughs> down and talk. Let's it? have a beer, <laughs> man. Right? Because I already know. Are you really about this life? <laughs> yeah. Right. You got. Let me tell you this. You have to be about this life. You know, this ain't for everybody. This ain't for everybody. So when did you know that it was for you? I was born this way. Yeah. Okay. I was. I, you know what? People ask that. You know, it, I can't remember a time where I wasn't always contemplating some sort of way to make money. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I remember when I was in high school and I was one of the first kids that had a car. Mm-hmm. Right? My mom gave me a car. That's mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I had to put gas in it. So I had the car. I had to put gas in it. And I figured out. Look. Everybody wants to go to mall this weekend. I'm just going to be their personal Uber. And I would charge people you to get in the back first, seats. Folks. Yeah, right. I, I started Uber. Uber. I started Uber. I stole that shit Uber. from that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it was like, you know, everybody, if you go and hey, if you got a dollar, you can be in my car. Mm. Right. You know, and we would go and I would have the money to go to the arcade to spend. 
and then I would take them back home. That was my thing. That was my hustle. You know, mm -hmm. that's how I kept money. So I don't know. I, I can always remember. I've had multiple businesses that I've started over the years. I don't remember a time. I remember when it's an awakening for me, though. Mm -hmm. You know, when I when I was a realization for me, it was a problem for me for many years. And um, and the reason why is because today we live in this society now where the people coming up entrepreneurialism is like the hot new thing. It's so sexy. Right. But when I was a kid, that wasn't sexy. You know, right. there wasn't even, I didn't even know what the word meant. You know what I'm saying? Nobody could sit there. Some of you people right now are raising children that have entrepreneurial spirits. You need to figure out and recognize that and hone that because the educational system and our society itself mm -hmm. kills that just by the nature of the way we educate our children. Maybe it's changed a little bit, but I don't think so. Education is all about assimilation. Entrepreneurship is not about assimilation. Standing out. Mm, right? Thinking outside the box. It's thinking outside the box, all of these things. And it was, you know, I was always a smart kid, but my attention span was always waning because I didn't want to necessarily learn what you wanted me to learn. I wanted to understand the reasons behind what I'm supposed to be learning. Mm -hmm. That was one of my things. But I mean, you want to, you want to find out what, how your child responds, how they learn and then hone in on that and, and, and amplify that for them mm -hmm. because just assimilating and taking a damn test I know people that, you know, go through all these schools. We, we even have leadership in the White House that are stupid as hell. Mm. I mean, seriously. I mean, I get it. You can take the test. And, I mean, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I'm not going to diss. I mean, he's a good entrepreneur, but he's not. Okay, well. Take that with a grain of salt. I, with right. a grain of salt. But, yeah. I mean, you know. But, but on the other side of that, you know, book learning definitely could not have been his strong suit. You know, mm -hmm. and it definitely wasn't my strong suit to sit in a classroom. It mm -hmm. would drive me crazy, even though I'm a speaker now. You know, I will come in, get on the stage and then you won't see me for a few hours. They'd be like, where were you? Did you hear this speaker? I'm like, dude, that's like school to me. I'm just I can't do it. I can't sit and just listen to somebody spew off their wisdom all day. I need mm -hmm. to have a back and forth. Agreed. A yeah. conversation. It helps. Yeah, it really does. It really does. So, you know, to circle back around on your the beginning of your career with eBay, you know, working working with your your business, your entrepreneurial business on eBay and, you know, starting off, like, how did you find the product okay. that worked? That's the number one question people always ask. How do you find a product? Finding product is the easiest part. Okay. All right. There's products all around you. Finding good products that sell becomes the hard part. Mm -hmm. All right. And so that's why people come to me all the time and they say, well, I'm like, well, what do you sell? And they'll be telling me this, that, and the other, or what do you do? And they tell me this, that, and the third. I'm like, have you tested that? Do you think people want that yet? I mean, seriously, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So you have to, the, the, the key is to figure out what people will buy. So you want to test a lot of things. 80% of the things that I've sold are still sitting in my basement. It's the 20% that makes you successful. So you're always going and shuffling through 
80% of bullshit to find a 20%. 80-20 exists in everything. Mm-hmm. And the same way with products, right? So one day I was on my lunch break. I drove around looking for a new place to eat. And I was working. Uh, I'm sure people are all over the place. But here in Atlanta, mm-hmm. um, I was in the Doorville area. Mm-hmm. Started driving around, and I was like, oh, and I like Asian food. So I started seeing all the Asian, you know, that's it's very yeah, Asian up that way. Right, that's the yeah. spot. Yeah. And then I started seeing all these stores. It's like, what the hell is in these stores? And I mean, the one store I was sitting in front of, because there was a Chick-fil-A out front, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I wonder what's in that store, man. It looks like some ball caps are in there. I need to go check this out. I go mm-hmm. up to the store door, and the lady says, you know, no entry. Where's your business license? I was like, I just want to just see, you know, no, no, you know, no license, no enter. I was like, wholesale. that only. is all wholesale only. Mm. And I was like, okay, all right. So guess what I did the next <laughs> day? Right hey, yep, I just got to see what's in this store, yeah. you know? And I came back at my business license, went in the store and it was on. So that's how I moved from, you know, product that I was just uh, around my house mm-hmm. into actual sourced product that was from importers. So they were an importer mm-hmm. and they would sell everything straight to wholesale. And I started walking around the store and picking out different things. Mm-hmm. And again, 80, 20, 80% of the stuff didn't sell, but I found my niche, you know, of course I've niched again and again, but at the beginning, uh, you know, I, I, I was basically selling bandanas. That mm-hmm. was the big thing that just like, ah, and we we sold a lot of bandanas back in the day. But you didn't sell bandanas the normal way. No, I did. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I sold you it on eBay. You were pretty creative. So here's the deal. Okay. <laughs> Look, Ross, 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 Ross got the stories. Boy. You make everything legendary, boy. Yeah. It was a legend. That's this is funny. The, this is the pot story. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> this is the pot story, Macabelli. ladies and gentlemen. This so how, how do we bring pot oh into the How do you use Machiavelli to make a million dollars on true, eBay? Man. So I was selling these bandanas. This is, again, early 2000s. Um, and the deal was, all of a sudden, I was realizing as I'm addressing all these envelopes, we're selling them everywhere. I bought them for black people in the East Coast and West Coast, because that's when East Coast, West Coast jumping off, right? Mm-hmm. So I, that's what I'm thinking, Red that are going to buy the bandanas. All of a sudden, people started sending me questions saying, how do I fold the bandana to look like Tupac? Now, Tupac has been dead at that time for about yes. four or five years, but he's mm-hmm. having that resurgence where the you know the, the albums were coming out. Machiavelli. Machiavelli, and, yes. Know, all of the, the features and yes. everything that people have been holding. Exactly. Yeah. So he was really starting to pop off all over again, and these white kids in the middle of America were like, how do I fold that bandana? And I was like, shit, I mean, I mean come on. Everybody knows how to do that. What black kid doesn't know how to do that, right? Mm-hmm. But you take things for granted sometimes because it's a different culturally, it's different. So I got tired of answering that question so many times that I made a video. And this is, again, very early in YouTube days. Um, And I made this video and I showed them how to fold it all the different ways of hip hoppers. 
And then I threw a couple of bikers in there too because bikers were buying them too. I mm-hmm. recognized that that was happening. And I put that video out. And all I did was when people asked me questions, I would just put the link to the video. It saved me a lot of time, right? It saved me a hell of a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And it made my customers like me more because I was giving them the information. All of a sudden, I start looking at the video, man. We were up. 5,000, 10,000, 20,000 views. It's like, wow. And then I looked and I started seeing where the traffic was coming from. And some of the competitors that were selling bandanas started linking. Putting your stuff on there. Started linking to our bandana video. So I was like, ah, all right, well, I'm going to edit my video and put my links on the video. So it says, if you want the bandana, (laughs) get it here. Yes. And we literally... I mean, tens of thousands of orders came. I was able to track it right back to that video. That video today has like 320,000 views. It was definitely an early, you know, uh, uh, reason why we got a whole lot of business. And thanks to Tupac. Man, that was a that's a major key, man. Like people are, weren't using video like that at that time. No, you know. And then from there to utilize it, in, like right now, if you're in the marketing industry, this is what we teach people to do. Yes, we teach them to recognize the questions that people have that they answer on a repetitive basis. Mm-hmm. Answer those questions on camera. Put it on YouTube, and then make sure that everything, all of your links are there, and make sure that all of the keywords that you know people would search for yep. when they're looking for that answer are there and you're going to show up like you can be ranked right now number one on google for that search term if you follow the instructions that you just heard absolutely that's that's totally like you said (laughs) major key major key (laughs) see what you say proven strategy it is yeah absolutely i mean it makes sense again i created that after i created uber i created Yo, you uh, heard it here first. Props are due. But I, here's another thing. I'll tell you. I mean, I was very crafty at the time. You know, cause I was scrappy. I was trying to get some, you know, and 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 literally the way I got into the speaking business was because of that video and mm. that story. Everybody knew that story or they saw that video and they were like, well, what are you doing, John? And mm-hmm. so I made it very intentional when I would teach. Here's what you do. Here's a strategy. And that's kind of how I got to, you know, being a social media personality. Um, but we'll get into that. But one of the other things that I did um, is since we were in the hip hop genre now, because once I started selling the bandanas, we started selling uh, sweatbands, jewelry. You know the bling jewelry, and uh, and and ball caps, right? Um, that's when you know baseball hats were still really hot. So we would sell all of that, and uh, I was like, hmm, how can I use blogging? Everybody was like, you want to, you should blog, you should blog, blog, blogging, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I don't want to write about this. I just didn't, I didn't want to write. Mm-hmm. And what I ended up doing was I w- created a blog site. That was a hip hop, uh, uh, what do you call it? Like a uh, gossip site. Mm. So I would go out every day and find five, 10 stories of the gossip. And I would literally just put a blurb and a link to somebody else's site. And, and that, that site started ranking for hip hop news. And all of the ads on the sides were mine. 
Oh, that's brilliant. It is. And it's a strategy you can that's totally a, do today. That's brilliant. So that's an aggregator, right? Yeah, you, you just, know? yeah. So basically you're taking, <laughs> you're, you're, you're using an RSS feed or you're, you're basically going to, you know, any of those news sites that open up and they say, yes, you can use this content. Yeah, for like 150 words or exactly. something like that. Yep. Oh, man, that's powerful. So right now, like many magazines and authority sites, um, that's what they call it, like authority mm-hmm. sites like uh, um, Boss Up. Uh, who is, who's some World other Star, ones? World Star. You know, was, like they didn't start off generating and creating their own content. They aggregated that con- yes. content. So if you have a good idea, a good concept, if you have like you can start getting a fan base, you can start getting an audience, you can start getting those people and you don't have to direct them somewhere else. You can direct them to your own business. Yeah. As long as everybody, it's related. Everybody's like, how do I make money on my blog? And I was like, sell your own products on your blog. People don't get that. They're mm. like, how can I get somebody to advertise on my blog? Don't do that. Shit. Get you a product that you know your customer base would be interested in mm-hmm. and you sell it to them. I got a friend right now. He just did an exercise video, right? He's mm-hmm. done an exercise video. And since we're in you know, COVID, he's doing it with the rubber bands. Right. I so got it's, some of those in the, you got in the, some in the of car those. right now. Absolutely. Right. So you work out with your with your rubber. Band. So he you know, he's good looking guy. Take off your shirt. Go make a video on how to get a big chest like that, that mm-hmm. you got in the damn gym before COVID. <laughs> 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 right. Yeah. But still, it's like, show them how to do that. Mm-hmm. Dude, that video got 100,000 views literally from just that workout here's how to do a full workout with your bands sell your own bands bro absolutely sell your own bands absolutely and it takes nothing to go find somebody that has the bands that will stamp alibaba real quick alibaba write that down if you if you haven't written that down and you don't know anything about alibaba go there check it out alibaba and aliexpress as well aliexpress and what you do is aliexpress is basically one-offs for Alibaba. So mm-hmm. AliExpress will cost you maybe five to ten times more. Really now? I didn't know that. Yes, because they're only selling you one item and they're going to ship it to you. Okay. Right? So you can do a one-off item from AliExpress. But everything that's on AliExpress is actually on Alibaba, and you can get that and bo- way cheaper. But you, you have to... Put that in your warehouse, or you're probably gonna have a. They're gonna have a quantity that you're a minimum order quantity. Mm -hmm. So what you do, the business model there is, is that you test. Remember, I said the eighty twenty test to find the twenty. Once you find the twenty, you go and order it directly from the manufacturer, Mm -hmm. and now you've started a business. There you go. You know, you want to private label something instead of you know I'm I'm holding up a water bottle. You know, this water bottle. It says Sprouts, Farmer's Market, mm-hmm. right? So that's the Sprouts store. Mm-hmm. That's a private label. Everybody thinks private label is something new that was just created recently. Hell no. Kroger's made private label green beans back in the day, would sit it right next to the other, you know, Jolly Green Giant shit, mm-hmm. and it would be half price. Who do you think makes the Kroger brand? Same people. The same people. The same people. Mm -hmm. They just put their different label on it. Mm -hmm. That's the same way you guys can do it right now. 
I mean, I look, I'm I'm old school. I will strip your damn label off of it, <laughs> put my label on it, and try to sell it. You got to the prove, printer out the house, right? To prove <laughs> the proof. First thing you want to do yeah. is prove that what you're trying to sell, people will buy. Still Once you have that proof, then you go in. So how is how important is branding? Um. Okay. To that mix. I, so, I, you know, it's it's. <laughs> Branding is very important. Don't get me because uh, I want to talk about it, but I want to bring it into the fact that when you're just getting started, don't worry about the brand, mm. you know, unless you're really, really, you know, uh, into at least for me, for, for something like I was doing, you know, we didn't worry about the brand. The brand was the shopping experience for us. Mm-hmm. All right. So, you know, what's the what's the Amazon brand? There is, there is, the, the brand is the experience, right? They don't have a product necessarily. They do have products. But I mean, when I say Amazon, you don't think of an actual product. Not at all. Right. When you go into Kroger's, you don't think of a product. That's, that's where you buy the stuff. So branding is important, but it, it doesn't always have to be the product. Mm. So when we had Third Power Outlet and we moved to Shoestring King, it was all about the, the buying at that time. You know, it was the experience. We gave them a differing experience than everybody else. When everybody else was worried about, you know, no returns, we were saying, hey, 14 days, no questions asked. When they went to 14, we went to three months. I didn't give a shit, you know, because I wanted to have something different that differentiated the shopping experience with us. So Mm -hmm. your brand is important and it can get you a lot of things. But I find people oftentimes falling in love with the idea of having their own name on something. I see. Right? They fall so in love with that. The first thing you have to realize, man, is your baby is ugly. Mm. All right? You can't, but that's my baby. Well, you know what? Your baby is ugly as fuck. (laughs) You have to be able to handle (laughs) that. There it is. Before you put that out, before you put your baby out into the public, Mm. you better be able to handle that shit. Right. Yeah. Because the public is not, don't care that it's your baby. They're going to tell you that shit sucks. I can't stand your packaging. Um, mm-hmm. UPS dropped it. I want my money back. You got to be ready. And right. if it's all about your brand and it's my baby, it's going to, you're going to crumble. It's going to kill you. It's going to crush you real quick. <laughs> so, so if you come from the, a different perspective, how does that help you? You know, I, if you look at it, you like, listen, I know my baby ugly, but I got to get it out there. Well, that's, and I'm just yes. going to listen to what they're saying yes. and respond to because it. Because you're going to you're going to dress up your baby. Mm. You know, when somebody tells you the baby is like, well, what's wrong with my baby? Got some Jordans on, though. Exactly. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> but at least he rocking Jordans. He rocking, he rocking the Jordans, you know. Yeah. But I mean, what you want to do is you, you want to take you. Let me let me put it like this. Um, because the eBay and, and, and really for me, eBay was an, a, a microcosm of the macrocosm of business, mm-hmm. right? Because eBay, you got immediate feedback and it would be in your timeline and they would give you stars whether or not they liked the product and they would write a review, right? And I used to tell people, people would be like, oh, I want 100s, 100s, 100, five stars, five stars. I was like, you know what? The problem with five star reviews is all that does is feed your ego. You can't get better on a five star review. True. The one star review is the one you're looking for. Mm. 
That's the one you can take action on and make your product better. So when I say your baby is ugly, you want to be ready to dress that baby up, make it better. Really hone in instead of taking offense when somebody tells you, you know, that's not a good thing. You want to say, ah, thank you for the feedback. Can't wait to make that better for my customer, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think that's the big difference in terms of, you know, coming from a different approach as opposed to, oh, I know when it hits the marketplace, it's just going to kill it because that rarely happens. Mm. That rarely happens. And you think about it, bro. What do they say? 85% of small businesses are out of business in the first three to five years. Mm. Just think about that. 85% are out of business in the first three to five. No, I think it's the first three years. 85%. And of the last 15%, 85% of those are out of business in the fifth year. Wow. That's what you're going up against out here. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. And you you got to be ready, man. You got to be ready. And also, it just grows your business. I mean, to your point, um, the cheapest way to advertise is word of mouth. But you can't have good word of mouth if your client experience sucks. So, <laughs> Or if your product sucks. Or if your product mm-hmm. sucks. Do you know how many people have shitty products out here? I mean, seriously. You you see you 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 you're thinking you're like yeah I yeah, know you yeah. see them and they be you know like what? that's my baby but, I was but like, the bro. thing is is like I don't I don't know about you like have you seen people with shitty products with with a shitty speech with a <laughs> shitty stage present and they winning uh-huh. and people are booking them uh-huh. and they getting out and and somebody else that may have that hot fire right, <laughs> you right, know right you know is not being seen is not like it amazes why me. does that happen. You know, what's um, the secret? Why does that know how to 10 X their business? (laughs) Oh my gosh. You just, so what, what the experts want you believe Mm -hmm. is that you just haven't spent enough money. Mm. That's what the experts want you to believe. Right. And I don't know, you have to unpack different things to find out where, why, whose money started the company. You know, like we were just talking about, you know, with the, with the president, it's yeah. like, yeah, he's like, oh, he's successful. Well, bitch, if my dad was a millionaire and gave me a million dollars, how successful would I be today? You know exactly. what I'm saying? I mean, did you have to, so we don't always know the story behind the story, yeah. but I know a lot of businesses, man, that are, they look good on the front end, but they on the back end are still just like trying to hustle, trying to make it. Let me see your income statement. I need your your financial statement. I need to look at your. That's right. (laughs) Right. It's not about how much you make. Like what's, what's really, what's really good. Right. Yeah. It's not about what you make. It's about what you keep. It's important. So the thing is, is like the art of the pivot. I mean, there's so much to unwrap, but I mean, John just spoke to the 80, 20 rule. And I've seen them pivot from so many products or that are so different from one another. Um, but being able to test it out, I mean, that's entrepreneurship, you know, being able to figure out what works. So the art of the pivot is also being able to take chances and take risks, think outside the box, step outside of your comfort lane and see what really works. And then once you find out what works, you know, being able to uh, be intentional about growing it. Yes, Most definitely. You got to put you got to put it together, man. I, I mean, and there's a lot of reasons for my, like, how did I get from bandanas to shoelaces? Right. <laughs> right. So one day 
I'm at the store, same store, and they've got thousands of products, you know. They got beauty products, they got jewelry, they got. So one day I'm in there and I'm like, oh, they got shoelaces back here. And I want some shoelaces. And I only can get them by if I buy a dozen. And they had them in different colors. And I was like, oh, that's cool. So I'm like, oh, I'll buy a dozen of them. Cost me like six bucks, mm-hmm. you know. And um, I'm like, I wonder if these will sell since I had, you know, another 11 pair that I didn't need. And um, they started selling. So I just added that to our product mix because we were a general store more so than a actual, like we talking about that brand. Mm-hmm. So um, so to put that in the context, like for like, you say general store, we're talking about like Walmart general type of store. For, for right? hip hop. For, for hip hop. For hip hop accessories. Okay. So it was general to that got it. extent. Got it. Got it. Got okay. It. Okay. So, I mean, so anything that would fall in line with what we felt was our target market, we would buy. Okay. Good. Understood. So I tried the shoelaces. They start selling. They start selling well. Economy falls apart. Our biggest seller was hip hop jewelry. Mm-hmm. All right. Bling jewelry. This is 2008, 2009. Actually, 2007, I already knew shit was bad because the Christmas season didn't live up to prior Christmas seasons. Mm. It wasn't until 2008 that the actual rest of the economy just fell apart. So 2008, I'm like, whoa, what's up? And it got so bad in 2009 that even fakers didn't want to have on fake jewelry. <laughs> you feel me? That's how you think wow. about it. That's how bad it. Nobody wanted fake diamond jewelry in 2009, 2010, because the economy was so bad. You didn't even want to fake it. Wasn't it wasn't sexy to stunt. It was not sexy. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that took a huge toll on my top line. So I sat back and I was like, dude, it's time to really reform our business. Mm-hmm. And we sat down, we had about 500 different SKUs, right? 500 different things that we sold. And I said, let's do 80, 20 now. And we took the top 20%. So the top 20% of money makers and the other 80%, we stopped selling. And we decided to focus on the top 20%. Mm-hmm. And that's how we ended up being the shoestring king. Wow. Also, eBay Power Seller. What was that? Two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So this is Platinum right. Power this seller. is right after, and really during during the biggest economic decline in the United States of America. <laughs> up until <laughs> you know what we might have coming up. <laughs> yeah, this man. The first event that I met him at had the number two or number three executive at eBay. No, it was the CEO. The CEO of eBay the, is coming the CEO. to CEO an event. Of eBay. No, no. Here's the here's the funny part. You know who is you? You don't know who's the CEO of now, do you? Mm-mm. Nike. Really? Yeah, that was him. He's the CEO so of I Nike. I met the CEO of Nike. You have met the CEO of Nike. I had no idea. That's right. Yeah. Wow. John Donahoe. He was the CEO of eBay. Now you he's heard the CEO it here of Nike. first, Nike. folks. <laughs> that's true i totally forgot about that yeah yeah that's major stuff so like you you made a pivot as well from selling products 
and you're still selling products yeah, right now. Like, so you business. ain't you didn't pivot from it. Now you just pivoted into uh, yeah. We the speaking did industry else. did something else. Yeah, on top of so for the past ten years, you've been an international speaker. Yeah, hitting stages. Yeah, like requested keynote. In Australia, in in like various it, no, places you may, to you learn. Name it. It's it's crazy. So you utilized your knowledge, your experience. I utilized my blackness and your blackness. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Now speak your, to that because that, there's that not was a, a lot of people that really are now. black in that space. Yeah, I use my blackness. Really now. You know, here's the thing, and I want to share this. The first time I was asked to go. Uh, and do a, a speech. Um, guy heard me doing a small speech, and he's like, I, I run a show in Australia. I'm going to have you come to Australia. It's like, really? And I want you to keynote. I'm like, you're kidding me, right? So that's where, you know, preparation met, um, you know, opportunity. Mm-hmm. I, I took an opportunity and, and got noticed, right? But when I got on that plane, I didn't know what I was in for because that was the first time I had been out of the country. And let me make something very clear to black very people. No, let me just make something very clear to black folks. Jamaica is not out of the country. <laughs> the Bahamas <laughs> is not what I'm talking about. On, I mean, it's out of the country. Don't crush our dreams, man. I know, I know, I know. I got a stamp on my passport, play. Right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but they're, they're used to having Americans there, and we get a very American experience, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, especially as African-Americans or black folks, man. But I went to Australia and I'm like, dude, I am the only black person in this entire airport. What the hell? You know, it was just a, it was an eye-opening experience. And what I didn't realize up until that moment is that as a black man here in America, we have a chip on our shoulder. How so? All right? Because of the way we're treated. And the way that we're, we're, we are looked at. That was the first time in my life. And y'all can put this on replay and all that bullshit. Cut me out. Whatever. I don't care. That was the first time in my life I ever felt like an American. In another country. In another country. Because I was, because I was in another country. And they didn't look at me as a black guy. They used to introduce me as, hey, here's John. He's my American friend. And it was just like. Wow. It was it was it opened my mind to an experience that I never had before. And I didn't realize we have this chip on our shoulders. If you go into a room of white people, you feel it. You know, you feel he's like, okay, I wonder who's looking at me and checking me out or I'm I'm going to pump myself up. You know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? You never can be yourself because you always feel like your color is preceding who you are in people's minds. And so. When I when when I when all that they cared about was that I was an American, it was a whole nother world, and so, and then to have then to be a black American because now we're the you know we do the music and we have the best movies and you mm-hmm. know we're the funniest comedians and all that that was a bonus, mm-hmm. and so I recognized that there was a hole missing in a lot of these uh, places where I started speaking where it's like you know. Here's some diversity that you need. Here's a difference of opinion that you may not have gotten before from an American. Mm. And I would just put that out there as an American. And I realized ultimately that the fact that I was an African American had a lot to do with me getting on different stages. I mean, other than I'm good at what I do, 
But I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, mm-hmm. I definitely felt the uh, courage, I think, to venture outside of America. And here's the cool thing. There's not a lot of competition. Mm. There's, I mean, here in America, I'm just an, another regular old guy. Over there in Australia, they know me because mm-hmm. I stand out. I'm totally different, you know? Mm-hmm. And people want you more on that thing because you're literally different than all the other Australians. Wow. Mm. That's important. Very. That's, that's really important. How, did you feel any, like... <laughs> Any of that that pressure, like man, I'm representing all of us over here right now. Like I got, I got the, I got African American, you know, the the diaspora on my back right now while I'm over here speaking. Like, did you feel? I, you feel it, but not in the same way. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like you, that's part of the chip. Mm-hmm. That's part of the chip. The chip we have on our shoulder is like, as soon as you get, if you get uh, uh, successful, mm-hmm. then you're supposed to bring your people up. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like, that's a heavy burden. Or like you say, if I'm the only black person here, then all of a sudden I'm representing all of us. Yep. That's that's a lot, man. And yeah. I didn't have to do that. I was, I was representing America. Mm. I was representing an African-American, yes, but not in their terms. Because mm-hmm. they don't, they didn't have that differentiation. Yeah. They just see me as American. So it's a very weird thing. So yeah, were there know. other countries where the experience was was similar? Everywhere, everywhere else, everywhere. Matter of fact, I never forget me and my sister. I took my sister to me with. Uh, uh, we went to an event that I was doing in Kuala Lumpur. All right, mm. that's that's Malaysia, mm-hmm. and we're at the dinner table and we're just kicking it, talking, eating, and. Um, the lady says, yeah, something. So she's like, something, something. Well, you white people don't understand. And I was like, okay, wait. <laughs> wait a doggone minute. See, but see, that's a, that's one of the things you can't do. See, that's part of our, you know, we're always on. So I, I was like, okay, so what do you mean by white people? She's like, oh, that's what we call all Americans. Wow. Right? So they just call them white people. That's the word that they use for mm-hmm. Westerners. And I was like, oh, shit, you know, that was just the weirdest thing. So they just, you know, it was that was so everywhere I've been, honestly, I it's it's been absolutely freeing to not feel like people are just looking at me because of a color. In most places, I'm not going to say I've never run into people saying something stupid, but usually it's just something stupid. But I mean, that's my background. Mm hmm. You know, my background, I, I, and I don't even talk about that a little bit, but I mean, when, when I was, I was born in New York in, in Queens in the projects. So that was very mixed culture at the time, you know? Um, and then my dad ended up moving to Texas in the seventies and, uh, what part, what part of Texas? Irving, Irving, Texas. Yes. Okay. And then ultimately into the colony and, uh, it was horrible. Because here I was at like, you know, 11, 12 years old, and they had never seen a black person. Mm, or at New, least felt like York. that. Yeah, exactly. To Irving, Texas. To Irving, Texas. And I mean, mm. Irving now is all this, that, and a third. Mm-hmm. But at the time, it was country, you know? Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was like, you know, ooh, can I touch your hair kind of shit at school. <laughs> My father walked me into the school. 
He walked me into the school the first day, mm-hmm. took me in the principal's office, and told them, you do not paddle my child. Wow. If you have a problem with him, you call me. Because he knew, he's like, you ain't touching my, I was the only black male in the whole school. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how I grew up. But my dad was Mr. You know, Black Panther slash Nation of Islam kind of, you know, black power thing. So he wasn't having the nonsense. And uh, yeah, you know, but but what you do learn is to how to survive in two different worlds. That's what a lot of white people don't understand about black Americans is we 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 live in two worlds here. Completely, completely. You know, and if you don't if you don't demonstrate enough of your blackness, then you get challenged. And if you're in the white world and you are in corporate world and you do something that's too black, then all of a sudden you become threatening. You know, it's yeah. an amazing. That's what I'm talking about. That's the chip. Anyway, really we're talking about business. I mean, but. no, no, no. It, it's completely relevant. I mean, one of one of the first books that I read that was about business was Reginald Lewis. Why do white guys have all the fun? (laughs) And it was, you know, like that was my baptism. Like, you know how raw Reginald Lewis is, but you know, to, to look at that and, and realize that, you know, there are parallels all across the country. We're all experiencing, you know, different sides of the same thing. You know, we've been in rooms and we've had conversations about this, um, you know, being a like I was a franchisor mm. and I'm in the room with all of the franchisors and I am the only black face mm-hmm. in the room. Yeah, I can't even like you could probably count on your hands the number of black franchisors that there are. And there's no list of them anywhere. Mm. You know, that's something that we're going to be working on and putting together, you know, however, you know, when he's Same walking thing. into the room on the finance financial side. brokerage conference right. last year down in Florida, 198 hmm. financial brokers. You're the only black? Only black. Isn't that crazy? Can you believe this is 2020? Yeah. This is 2020. There are some rooms that, you know, we may not have made aware, you know, we're, we're not aware of. Right. Because, you know, I wasn't really aware Mm -mm. of the possibility that I could become a franchisor. Right. Franchisee. Maybe I've seen a lot of black franchisees. I've Mm. worked with them, but I had never even talked to a black franchisor ever. You know. Wow. So, you know, when when you're now in these rooms and uh, again, man, you feel the gravity of it. Yeah. You really do. It's pressure. You know, and, you know, I had people gravitate to me and it was the people that it's like, hey, you know, I'm with the diversity board. (laughs) Yeah. Why are you introducing yourself to me? (laughs) You know, that's crazy. But yeah, you got got one. Yo, we We got got one. We got one. Wow. You know, but I say that with a grain of salt because, again, uh, Stan Friedman, one of my one of my one of the guys that actually stuck with me and Uh continue to call me and ask me about my family. Like he's always been genuinely interested in who I am as a person. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a grain of salt to be taken with that. But at the same time, it's like, wow, in this whole room. You're the only one. Representation is limited. So, I mean, that's why we're doing this, you know, because we have a lot of representation um, that we have access to, but we want to give more access to it. So Mm -hmm. all of our listeners that are outside of 
Wakanda, mm-hmm. aka Atlanta, thanks Atlanta. Ti. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they have a, a chance to have you know a place where they can learn. And I mean, you're learning from some of the best. I mean, this man, like I said, I did not know I was in the room with the CEO of Nike. <laughs> That's true. That's crazy. <laughs> you know, and I mean, this is 2008 in the middle of a recession. This guy was selling basically a million dollars worth of shoestrings. You That's guys, right. shoestrings. Don't tell me it can't be done. Well, I mean, you know, somebody asked me, he's like, shoestring. One of the things that I always looked for were the things that were not sexy. Mm. You know, I never wanted to sell iPhones. I never wanted to sell electronics. I never wanted to sell computers because, you know, there's a lot of competition. The margins are slim. And I was like, dude, yeah, I can buy a pair of shoelaces literally for a quarter. Landed. So you just do the math. Right. <laughs> you just do the math, you know. So, yes, I have to sell a lot of shoelaces. Sure, I can only get $7 for them, you know, but I can sell a lot of shoes. Every pair of shoes, pretty much, if less they're slip-ons, have laces in them. And there's a lot of opportunity there. I actually think it's a brilliant, brilliant brand. I, I remember a time where, you know, the trend was multiple shoelaces in your in, in your, shoes? your shoes with different colors. And yep. I'm ready to bring that back. And making it a whole nother, you know, I mean, it's it's crazy, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, now today, yeah. it's gotten even on a whole nother level. I mean, just people that are shoe enthusiasts, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, sneakerheads, sneakerheads. What they call it. That's yeah. a whole market in and of itself. Didn't exist even back in the day. Parallel to hip hop, right? It like yeah, within it hip hop, yeah. it's its own thing. Exactly. You know, that's where yeah. it came from. That's I mean, that's part of it too. I think our brand rose with the popularity of hip hop. Wow. Hip hop helped propel us. Absolutely. Like, do you sell like products with just like the shoestring string, uh, shoestring king brand on it? Like no, the, not yet. Not? That's not a bad idea. Really? I need like, to go we ahead talking, and go we for it. Talking about, I'm like, man, you could have shirts with the shoestrings in them, dude. <laughs> dude, I mean, I've you seen know, hats with it. You know, I you need know? to get, I need to people get that. Rock it. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. I need to start rocking my. You own heard t-shirts. it here first, folks. <laughs> See, it was worth coming you to Smyrna here first on the folks. other side of the planet. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I tell you what, um, you know, we're at our time, man. This has been a very powerful session. Um, I hope, you know, each and every person that's out there got something of value out of this conversation. And hopefully this is not going to be the last time that you oh, join never us. Coming back <laughs> <here>. <laughs> Maybe even remotely, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But we're, listen, we're going to find a way to make sure that John Lawson hits this show again. I promise you awesome. by hook or by crook, we're going to make it happen, you know, because they're like, we just hit the tip of the iceberg. We didn't even get dive really deep into you know, the, the, the speaker, uh, side of his, his life and and what he does. That's part two. That's what we (laughs) like. That's what you have to look forward to. That's why you want to stay tuned and, and make sure that you're tuning in with us every week, because we're going to be bringing you value. We're going to be bringing you luminaries like this to, you know, illuminate the darkness, which is entrepreneurship, right? Give you the black print, not just the blueprint, the black print. Yeah, it's entrepreneurship from a black perspective. And the thing is, it's like you said, there's two different worlds. Well, in entrepreneurship, I mean, might be a hundred different worlds because you have to be able to move in and out of different circles. Indeed. Indeed. Well, thanks again for tuning in. 
four game changers, EJ Mayers, Ross D. Uh, you can find us. Give them the 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 handles. All right. So if you go to Instagram, you can search for game changers, and it's four underscore game changers. Game changers being one word. So I mean, check us out on the gram. Uh, we'll be dropping some different uh, events and all kinds of different stuff on there. And then, uh, you know, follow us and, you know, we'll follow you back. And if you have any questions, you know, reach out to us, send us a DM, and we'll make sure and follow up with you. God bless. We out. Hot fire.